Hello and welcome to the 55-1 podcast. My name is Wes Berdine and uh, it's just you and me, Jeff. Just the two of us. Jeff Reuter, um, how was your Thanksgiving? It was good. It was St. Cloud filled okay. and I returned in one piece from St. Cloud and now I'm back in St. Paul. That's it. That's the entirety of my Thanksgiving. Okay. It was basically just like shuttle running back and forth between the two cities. And number one uh, Thanksgiving dish in the Reuter family is it's got to be the uh, the we call it stuffing, right? In the in the Gorman, my mom's side of the family, this was the year we finally asked, "Hey, Grandma, what's the recipe? We all oh. needs this just in case." It was actually a big ceremony. Okay, uh, it was great. Uh, Taylor Twelman hosted the ceremony. He was able to kind That's of introduce great. Rosie Gorman that, to come in. What's and, amazing is is how many ceremonies that guy can get to in a year. He's at Cincinnati so. on Tuesday. Like, yeah, he's just he gets around. He's like a yeah, he's like a wedding M- mc but you know um what, what is in the stuffing just really really quick uh i haven't read the recipe yet okay all right it's uh, a stuffing, gift. stuffing is very big for me but i just use a pepperidge farms uh recipe mm. that i tweak slightly but gonna be honest i'm not that good of a cook so what's yours then what's your uh, go-to well i mean i make this i make the stuffing that's what i can stuffing in turkey i can handle but turkey's like very low turkey's like i mean you do it but it's no one. No one loves the. turkey. Do you crave turkey any other day of the year? No, I don't. I, and I, I, we're still eating turkey. So I'm so sorry. Yeah, that sounds awful. Yeah, let's um, move on to real things this week. Uh, I hope your Thanksgivings were good, uh, listeners. We are going to talk about the death of the cosmos, the possible death of the NASL. We're going to talk about um, the bald swan uh, winning big. We are going to talk about Minnesota United getting a manager. Something. Again. Yeah, we've talked about it, but <laughs> but we're going to keep talking about it because it's the only goddamn news we can talk about. And then we've got a whole crap load of Twitter questions that um, are fantastic. Always send those in. And and if I forget at the end, send me emails, westberdine at 55.1. Uh, whatever your thoughts are, I, I want to hear them, feedback, etc. But um, big quarters, they give us the music, so let's let's lead on in. And welcome back to the Fifty Five One podcast. I'm Jeff Reuter. Sitting across from me is Wes, silencing his phone as you should too, listener. Please make sure that your phones are on silent while you're listening to the Fifty One Pod Five. This podcast for... <laughs> I almost just stopped. Like, I right, know. Just, just end I it. I saw the action. Yeah, no. For your best listening experience. And uh, let's talk about the, the best American experience probably in the history of the EPL so far. Sure. Which was a Welsh I mean, team no, winning really. a game five. It wasn't. No. For managers, yes. Uh, the but only we've got, we've got Dempsey and McBride and, and Tim Howard moments that we can mm. think of. But yes. Claudio Reina. Yep. Uh, absolutely crazy moment over the weekend when uh, Bob Bradley's Swansea got their first win under under Le Bob, and they were up 3-1 at one point. The game finished 5-4 in their favor after going down 4-3. Yeah. Um, what a remarkable shit show it was. Um, but they got two goals in, in added time. From a substitute, which yeah. also makes him look kind of good. Bob, because he made the substitution that ultimately changed the game, and or Fernando, he sh- or he should have started him, but little of column A and column B, but I, it was really entertaining. I mean, 
I guess it's tough to say, yeah, I'm still a neutral with any game, even though Swansea is as close as I get to feeling like passion, like true passion about a single team in the EPL. I, I don't yeah. have an allegiance otherwise. I don't try to feign one, but I just want Bob to keep his job. Yeah, that's it. That's my campaign slogan for him. Let Bob keep his job. There we go. That's a that's a high high aim. Uh, let's talk about the the MLS Cup playoffs because that also has been action filled. Uh, lots of goals. We're not going to go too deep into it, but the first one was the goal fest in Montreal, three uh, two. That feels like eight eight years ago. Yeah, but was... tomorrow or not tomorrow Wednesday of this week. We're recording on a Monday. Wednesday of this week is going to be the second leg of that. Um, Toronto are down uh, three to two in aggregate, and I still think they're going to get it. I yeah. think that they'll advance. I mean, they've got two away goals now too. Uh, they came back from down three nil, and uh, Michael Bradley, Josie Altidore both scored. And I just, I mean, Toronto—they'll have the momentum. Their grounds crew will probably know how to put lines on a field. I think that things are going to go better. Yeah. And then uh, Seattle. We actually have two. We're done talking about the Seattle and Colorado series, aren't we? I will say in the Montreal um, game, uh, you have Montreal's Callum Malice. He has not really seen much time. I don't know if he's actually been in during the playoffs at all. Um, but then you go down to Colorado, where Colorado were playing Seattle. You've got another Minnesotan, Eric Miller, playing a fullback, who is playing, was starting. They went to Seattle, and it was a 2-1 loss. Yeah, first. Yeah, yeah, sorry. They've both and, happened since we last Right, right, time. right. And then just on Sunday of this week, just yesterday for us, um, they lost at home, one nothing. so on aggregate, 3-1. to one. I think there was something ridiculous, like Colorado had won nine 1-0 games at home over the course of the season. So, I mean, and they hadn't lost at Dick's Sporting Goods Park. Like, it was just, it was bound to happen at some point. It was unfortunate. And the Seattle team, for whatever reason, has just looked unbeatable since they got Nico Lodero, and yeah. uh, since bird-watching extraordinaire Brian Schmetzer took over as their manager. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's favorite assistant, uh, assistant pastor, Brian Schmetzer. Um, Jordan Morris uh, with an amazing goal, um, or not amazing, but it was just really slick, I should say. Um, cool, calm, collected. Zach McMath goes in, takes his leg out. Uh, it was a pretty, despite just having one goal in it pretty exciting match maybe not the prettiest of matches but um but so far the playoffs have the good teams have not all, always won especially in that first round but they've all been exciting mm -hmm. so yeah, yeah and then we've got one more i mean the the and, canadian caper closes out on wednesday and you think toronto will win which would mean toronto would host um and if montreal wins seattle will host that game is on december 10th um, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, and it's going to be awesome. Uh, let's go to the bad of this week, which is today. It, it seems like every day, every time we record, there's just like someone, something, Twitter explodes, the news world explodes. This morning, Monday, everyone's like post-vacation. It's Cyber Monday. They're searching for whatever on the internet machine to buy. And um, Empire of Soccer, Dave Martinez, writes this piece that says, New York Cosmos have not paid their players on time, and basically they've furloughed all their staff. Um, and so that is a pretty big bombshell. 
And then later on in the day, it comes out via tweet rumors uh, from a, a guy named Nipun uh, in Indy um, that, that, that NASL, that Cosmos, and then by extension NASL, are really ab- absolutely screwed. And Cosmos may not be around anymore. Um, well, I don't know what to make of all this. Are Cosmos dead? Uh, I mean, I know... I've heard estimates that they've lost $30 million over their four-year existence since hmm. they joined NASL. Uh, that sounds, I've not heard that before. That sounds pretty dead to me. Um, I think that you're also right to say that if the Cosmos are dead, so is the NASL. It's This is what it would take. We'd always talked through all these teams that were dropping in Fort Lauderdale failing payments since June and... The, the whole fiasco with Ryo OKC's ownership and then taking the field away and then not paying the players, everything like that. There was always just the silver lining of, yeah, but as long as the Cosmos could prop this league up, things would be fine. And you would be able yep. to find four or five, hopefully up to at least seven teams every single season yep. who are also functioning. And then you'd have the Cosmos as the marquee. And then it was kind of exciting for a little bit to see Miami FC jump in and they were buying and uh i don't know if exciting was the word but i mean yeah it was it showed it was initiative action. it showed it, action exactly it, was, yeah. it showed action it gave me something to write about with richie ryan right, yeah. and um and yeah i mean like it it looked like with these two with the deltas you would have just kind of some very you could restart exciting. and regrow yeah you get rid of some of the by drops. the way yeah. if you're the san francisco delta's ownership right now what are you what do you do? You know? Uh, yeah, it, it's got to be, I don't know. I mean, I, I tom- so I think Tuesday of this week, there's a Board of Governors meeting. There's some sort of NASL meeting. I wonder, I, I mean, I, I would pay money to be in that room. It, it's got to be amazing. What level of um, dad joke do you start that kind of a meeting with? Yeah, I mean, you need a killer one to cut that tension. Yeah, your uh, my arms are tired from flying in isn't going to cut it yeah, this time. Bill. Yeah, I um, I I mean, I I then spoke to a few people, and you get different senses of what's going on with with Cosmos. One person uh, spoke to a friend of theirs at the Cosmos, and it was it's it's done, it's dead, and uh, and then yeah, another person indicated that. At this meeting, NASL the the stable owners left are going to be asked to pony up some money to to prop up the Cosmos. I can't imagine that that's going to happen. I would buy Cosmos cookies though. Yeah, if they're going to do a giant cookie selling campaign to try to save the NASL, I don't is, know. Is Cosmos cookies is that a specific flavor? You think? Actually, I think each player. So you'd have the the Senna Snickerdoodle oh, from Marcus Senna. You would have the yeah. the Raul. Oh, I don't even know what a Spanish type of cookie is. They would have some really good Cosmos Scouts outfits, though. Oh, and their be... branding is top-notch, so... Yep. Emirates would totally sponsor them. Yeah. Uh, the, the the patches could just be tight, like just reused from the 70s. And when you get a badge, what does it look like? I think it looks like an old 70s NASL it's logo. It's just a Pele head. Yeah. Maybe that. Like, oh, I earned my Pele <laughs> Right. And then if you do something really good, you get a Cruyff badge and then yeah. a Beckenbauer. Yeah. I earned my Pele, Pele badge, Pele head badge in uh, 
in juggling this week. I earned my pay. In late juggling badge. three different in, franchises that you're paying for at the same time. Okay. So um, yeah, I mean that's t- it's terrible news. NASL is absolutely screwed. There, there then was talk from Nippon that um, that the team that the league Bill Peterson is looking just to basically find make sure all the USL teams have safe landing spots. I think all of those teams already have a plan B that they're ready to activate, except for maybe someone like Miami FC. Um, well, then let's look at a, a question from Steve Hamlin uh, with This is Cosmos Country uh, at Steve Hamlin 19. Why are the Cosmos in this stage? In your guys' opinions, I'm curious to hear different opinions outside the New York market. You know, it's the same way, like, when I was trying to get a sense of should Carl keep the head coaching position, is he more of an assistant coach for the next year, it always helps to have the outside opinions. So how did the Cosmos get here? They got here, um, you know, some of it was a little bit of hubris. Some of it was completely understandable. Um, I don't think them or NASL are really to blame for everything that happened. I think they took a gamble um, on that there could be another way to imagine how soccer could succeed in, in the U.S. And I don't think the market is ready for them. The money isn't there. Um and I don't think that they ever could get past, even the New York Cosmos could never get past the stigma of being minor league. I've they got, couldn't sell the advertising. I have it. one super pipe dream, almost tinfoil hat worthy theory of how the Cosmos can be saved, but it doesn't involve the NASL. So the Scottish Premier League, they play in the SPL. <laughs> Didn't someone write that? Someone article? did yeah, write yeah. that article. It was like, here are three leagues outside of the U.S. they can play in. Canada, Mexico, or Scotland. Right. And he was like, no, they can't. Okay. Uh, I think, so there's been that long whisper about how Red Bull kind of wants out of Red Bull New York. Yes. And they've been putting in so much damn money into Leipzig and turning them into the new Bayern Munich, kind of, that they've, they've got their new anchor outside of uh, Salzburg. So what they could do is they could sell it to the Cosmos, who will rebrand right. Red Bull New York. They they will buy Red Bull Arena, turn into Cosmos Arena, whatever. And here's where the tinfoil hat definitely gets fitted. David Beckham is the one to buy it because he gets Ooh. he gets a team with the biggest. He's the biggest player in MLS history, with the biggest brand in American soccer history, playing in the biggest city in the United States. That that so I've heard the rest of that uh, put forward, but the Beckham thing is is good. Um, Edu Rosales says, asks, uh, will the state of the NASL feed into the rhetoric rhetoric of pro relers by default, or can actually can it actually trigger the conversation about better professional team league management? No, I just don't see how this really is a different song than the one that was sang in the seventies and eighties. Well, I mean the main the main thing here is. Cosmos spent a lot, but I think that they didn't spend crazy, crazy money, right? I mean, they spent, uh, when everyone else was spending, and I'm throwing out numbers here, but I'm not fully thinking this through. When everyone else was spending $2 million on salary, Cosmos was probably spending $7 million, right? Right. A lot of money, but not like, not crazy money yeah um, they weren't getting ronaldinho Thierry Henry. You know, yeah and i don't even think they were up more. at seven million but mm-hmm. um yeah i i don't think i don't think there's any relevance to pro rel or anything i think 
it's minor league, uh, and I think that's the real problem. I do think, yes, they're right. If there was promotion relegation, teams, all these teams could su- succeed. But that's not the landscape that the New York Cosmos bought into. Mm-mm. That's not the landscape we have. It's a separate conversation. Cosmos did not fail because of, there was no promotion relegation. Correct. They failed because soccer in the U.S. is not big enough to sell enough ads. Or it's too big geographically to maintain a feasible promotion relegation system, especially for these kind of smaller yes. smaller clubs. So a little yeah. bit of both. Um, let's take a break and let's come back and we'll move into the full into the Minnesota United zone. Welcome back to the 55-1 podcast. Um, Minnesota United have a big announcement this week, uh, Tuesday of this week. So probably by the time you listen to this, they're going to be announcing Adrian Heath as their manager. But also, there's a lot going on right now as we build up to the expansion draft, December 13th. The last two weeks, we've been talking about the expansion draft previews that we've done. And Jeff, you finished it off over the holiday weekend. People should go back and check this out if they haven't seen it. Yeah, nobody read it. Yeah, yeah. okay. With fo- with forwards and attackers. Uh, so you you separated the winger attackers from the midfield so that you actually had people to talk about. Right. What did you glean about that? those positions? My biggest this? takeaway, well, I think it's something we talked about either last week or in the comments section where... Teams are most likely, if they have to cover face, or if they're just looking at who are the 11 must-have players as we're making sure to protect, and we're only going to lose one, but who do we want to make sure that we'll maintain? They're going to look towards forwards and midfielders first. Unless they have, like, Laurent Simon, or they have uh, Luis Robles. Unless they have someone who's really damn good playing behind the midline, they're going to be focusing on their attack first. I think. So, yeah. So, so so then looking at that, it's a weaker pool relatively for forwards compared to like goalkeepers or defense. And so my my biggest takeaway was actually that Minnesota set up really damn well to have starting forwards despite a lack of talent available likely in the expansion draft between still having the rights to Christian Ramirez whether or not they choose to sign him or if they're able to agree to a contract. You know, he's better than a lot of the strikers that will be available. And then having the first overall pick in the Super Draft in January, where Jeremy Ibobise is, uh, I mean, he's the consensus top pick. We we haven't heard anything more to guarantee. More and more I think that they're going to take him too, by the way. Every single week, yeah. I mean, they brought him in for a week to train with the NASL squad when they're leading up to the Cosmos game so they could see him firsthand. I kind of think Adrian Heath also, he struck gold with Kyle Laren, and he want, he'll... That might be in his mind. I don't know the guy at all. My, I, it would be in my mind of like, what if we get this guy and he's the next Kyle Laren? Yeah. Look what it did for me. Look what that big good like Kyle Laren made Orlando almost a playoff team. And I think that if he can do that twice, I mean, just from a coach's perspective, that's a like, that's a hell of a title to have. You know, to be able to bring in like two of the three best striker rookies. In MLS history, probably, along with Jordan Morris. So if you're looking through uh, the players who actually would be available, the the number one with a bullet was definitely Jose Villarreal for the LA Galaxy. It's amazing. He's actually been getting regular minutes with the Galaxy since 2012. And he, I mean, he's 22. 
And he played in a career low four matches, maybe three, with the Galaxy this season. Yeah. Despite the fact that they had a rotating host of injuries, they ended up bringing back Landon Donovan instead of plugging Villarreal in into Giassi Zardes' kind of left wing slash striker role, which Villarreal is perfect for. Now, Bruce Arena leaving makes all this uh, a, a very different question, right? A um, bit, but I think that, and and also the fact that they've already announced they won't retain Robbie Keane, and the fact that Steven Gerrard's already retired. You know, those are a couple of players that they probably would have just had to protect. Right. So I'm still not certain, but I think Villarreal will be open. I really do. I mean, they've got enough talent across the midfield, players yeah. they need to protect in defense, goalkeeper worth protecting, Brian Rowe. Right. That, yeah, I think that he would, if he is available, he certainly should be the first pick okay. for Minnesota. And then you've got a couple more picks here. Yeah, uh, we've got the, the, the Shattuck St. Mary graduate, Teal Bunbury. Uh, I mean, just that makes sense. Just that angle alone kind of makes sense. Like he's someone who's gotten regular MLS minutes and he's from Minnesota, from the school that's now the academy. Yeah. You know, on that side, it does make sense. But he's someone who, if I think he can just embrace the wing role, could play off uh, Ibobise very well. You know, it's kind of like an inverted winger slash false striker. Yeah. And then uh, Brian Rochez is yeah. kind of a dark horse just because, I mean, he when he th- helped sign Brian Rochez, he said he was really excited. He'd been scouting him personally. Yeah. Um, I think there's no way that happens, by the way. I hope not. He was such a flop in Orlando. I think that there's no way he brings him here. Because uh, they, they saw that, that he was... I don't know what they saw that... that made them think he wasn't there was a bidding war for him yeah in mls yeah he's the kind of player who always looks two years away from being two years away from being two years away from being ready and i you just i with an expansion team like that you very rarely will have the kind of security blanket where you can get away with having a player like that who just kind of needs the time to really grow into their role i don't know did anyone else stand out to you in the forward damaduro mike mcgee do anything for you um yeah, Don Maduro is one of those guys who's who. I mean, is always available. Mike McGee would be hilarious since he uh, already has had Twitter rivalries with Minnesota. Um, so screw that guy. Um, but I I will go to this is a, a was this a comment left on the website? Yeah, a comment today. Um, from uh, Ryan Hodkevitz. I'm gonna just say that's how you pronounce your name. Um, for each of these articles, all three of you been have been avoiding international players. I can understand the reasoning behind this, but do any of you think that a pick on any specific international player might be worth it? Think This is assuming Heath is the head coach and knowing his style of play, etc. Because um, there are some quality players uh, that, that could have an international spot. Do you have any, any thoughts there? Well, I think my thing is, it just works out that because there are so few international spots in every club, most clubs there are hesitant to dole one out necessarily and so they're probably the same players that they would be willing to sign on an international roster spot are the same players they would want to make sure that they're protecting so there isn't a lot of overlap or sorry there's a ton of overlap between those two groups and there aren't a lot of those players who do become available so someone like Nuno Coelho from Kansas City who's a center back who's 30 31 years old and I think he could be fantastic uh Jose Gonzalez we were talking about a little earlier today because he got waived by New England Revolution, and there was a the um, uh, at Jimmy Stagger on Twitter, and I were going back and forth. He thinks that he's he's past his prime, but I think that we'll find out. He's playing in a shitty stadium for a crappy team, so 
Right. He With might. a coach whose entire game he can plan comes to like, our shitty stadium <laughs> for our crappy team, and he can totally be right. in a different world. And yeah. in New England, your center backs are pretty much either going to look world class or awful because it's all a counter attack team that just absorbs attacks from the other team. Um, the other t- 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 the player from New England, Jason Kofi. Maybe we'll talk about him a little more next week. You won't be here next week, will you? No, no. Um, but um, yeah, as far as the international question, though. There's a part of it that's best of what's around. Yeah, and I'll I'll just I'll add to that, which is that the expansion draft by nature is the mediocre players, right? The squad players. Maybe you'll get a really good gem. Probably we can hope for two really good, not really good, two good players, two starters. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so you're not going to waste your international spot on a guy who's who's. A good worker, you know, something like that. Unless it's something pretty special. Um, I, I do want to talk about this waiver reentry thing a little bit more uh, because you also had an article up today uh, looking at the the waiver and reentry. Can you? I know this is in the shortest way possible. Explain how the waiver reentry okay. draft happens. So two phases that are on two separate days for the reentry phase. What is reentry versus waivers? Okay, so any player who's out of contract or their options weren't picked up or haven't yet been picked up but might sometime, they are available. So this is the answer to free agency, basically, whereas mm-hmm. instead of them just going off and signing with whichever club, they're still retained by MLS for their rights purposes. And so phase one, which will take place before the expansion draft, actually, players who are drafted in phase one retain their salary hits. Okay. So if you're making $400,000 and you're an American central midfielder who's stuck in New York City FC, and you're making $750,000, not right. giving any names. Just Yeah, just off the top here. We're head. just trying to mix it up here. Yeah. And so if you are drafted in phase one, you will still make $750,000 on your next day. Yeah. Then there is a sign-and-trade window between phase one and phase Mix two. Mix is still under contract, by the way. Oh, that's right. That so surprised he me. Be, he won't be waived. Or, yeah. Yeah. Um, so he won't be in the expansion draft, which yeah. is, or he might be, but he won't be in reentry. Yes. So then there's a sign and trade portion where teams can still get minimal value back for you, even though they just hold your rights and you're not under contract. And then phase two happens. And most like 95% of the picks in phase one are passes. Very few players are actually ever taken there because of the salary cap retention. Right. But phase two means that you can renegotiate your contract with your new club. Then if these don't fail, it's a little bit, it's a little closer to free agency with the waiver draft, where then you are renegotiating these contracts and this goes through in the same order. And then it's just okay trials. You know, there's also a three hour transfer window. Is it the day of or the day before the expansion draft? Yeah. That's so amazing. So, Why not? That's so MLS. Three um, hours. That is peak MLS. So if you have not driven your car into a light post from, from the sheer boredom of the, these uh, draft explanations, uh, do go and check out all, all the series on the expansion draft at 55.1. And then also this reentry thing. You'll, you or someone will be following up and doing, I think, two more editions of it because... You posted it today, and then New York City FC and New England Revolution posted their waived players. So those guys aren't even on there. Um, I want to talk about Adrian Heath because uh, you're going to be covering the announcement tomorrow. 
what are you looking for? Are you looking for particularly anything? Are you excited about any any aspect of this? I'm hoping there are free snacks. Uh, no, there won't be at the uh, at the announcement. No, yeah, there won't be. But it's at headquarters. I it's, haven't been to their headquarters yet. Yeah, the new yeah. One. You can go see. Often the with some weird corner is the NASL Spring Trophy. It's just like I might ask uh, someone or like I don't know a club official to stand by that and take a picture, smiling just for me, just because. Let's go grab it and take a picture. I could probably bring walk some, out with it and just say like it's mine now. Bring and be some like, beer. What is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They won't recognize it. They'll just let yeah. me go. Um, what am I looking forward to? There, I wouldn't expect any surprises. I it, it truly will be Adrian Heath is the head coach. You might get an assistant coach or two confirmed. Um. At best, that would be Ian Fuller. Ian Fuller and or Carl Craig. Yeah. 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 And so no, I don't think they're announcing Carl Craig if that's happening. I, I doubt that's ready by now. Um, but yeah, I mean, Ian was the the main assistant to Adrian Heath for five years. Yeah, they're buddies. I would, yeah, they're buddies. Yeah. I, would, I don't good, see any reason colleagues. he wouldn't come back. Ian looks up to when I first met Ian, I asked him about Adrian and he adores the guy. You yeah. Know? Uh, he, he thinks he's a, a really smart manager. So. So I don't think there's going to be any surprises from the press conference itself. Um, I think the more time that I spend on the idea of Adrian Heath as the Minnesota United manager, the more I think I actually excited I get about it. It's mm-hmm. not apathy. I think it is excitement. I think that it's a it's a high press, high energy brand of football. Be that's going to be one of the questions I ask him: Is are you going to maintain this style of football, or are you looking at a different type, and are you going to be trying something new because it didn't work in Orlando? So I'll be curious to hear yeah. about that from him, but. I mean, he is an exciting coach, and I guess apparently he's a good quote. We'll find out if he's like turkeys to the slaughter, Harry Ars midfielder, good yeah. quote tomorrow. But it'll uh, he'll be on his best behavior be tomorrow. I mean, tomorrow's a media event, right? A big, big thing. It's there for the for the TV cameras, um, not for uh, uh, the little people. Um, so this is from a guy named Jake Ruder. Uh, the big question I have about Minnesota United hiring Heath, and he's just mad that they didn't hire Giovanni Silverisi. Sa- we talked about that for 10 minutes at Thanksgiving dinner. It was awful. Yeah. Does just Christian awful. fit his system? I don't think he does. Uh, the answer is he probably not, no. No. If Obise does, I think if Christian could somehow learn to be like an inverted winger, then that'd be great. I, I, yeah, as far as like the, the pure, what made Kyle Laren work so well in Orlando is a very different skill set than what Christian Ramirez has. I, I will say, unless Heath can figure out what people had not, Manny, Carl never really tried this, Manny was never able to do, which is to make Christian use his skill set, which is playing close to other players with his feet, to make him the secondary striker. It makes sense that he could be a number 10, not necessarily a number 10, but he could be someone who could play off a big man, yeah. help help uh, draw together the midfield, the wings, and that top big man. It never worked with Pablo and him, but I don't know if that was just Pablo, right? Um, it's hard because Jeremy's about the same size as Pablo, so like six foot 170, mm-hmm. give or take. You know, it's it's not like he's Fernando Adi. Yeah. He's not Andy Carroll, who's just yeah. going to be a huge body that you can just stick in there and have Christian work off of. So it's it's an imperfect marriage, too, if they do take Jeremy. Um, but I, I agree with what you're saying. It's 
a second I, striker seems best, and this is an era of MLS that doesn't like playing two striker but formations. But it's also, uh, you know, people talk about Heath being married to a system. Who knows if he was or if he just had, he felt he had to be in Orlando. Um, I am I am excited about it too. I'm, I'm, I won't be able to catch him at the, the press conference, but uh, ho- hopefully I'll, I'll catch him sometime soon. I want to take a break and come back, and then we've got Twitter questions. Back on the 55-1 podcast, I'm Wes, and anytime you send me questions, let me know it's for the pod and not just a random question. On Twitter, at MNNiceFC or Wes Berdine at 55.1. Or Jeff Reuter at Jeff Reuter. Yeah, just do that. We've got a, a few questions here from, actually, more than a few questions yeah, from Twitter. We're so. going to go through them, though. Um, we love these questions, so please send them. At Daniel Mick, what is game day media coverage looking like for next year? TV, radio. TV and the radio. TV, TV on the radio. TV on the radio. TV on the radio will be playing every game. That would be fantastic. And let's see, the lead singer, Tinde Andabempe, is going to be a holding midfielder. Oh, that'd be good. I mean, you might as well. There's No, he's, there's a, like, he's, he's a number nine. But there's like, yeah, night. there's like eight of them in the band. If they yeah. tour, it's like 20 because of the horn section. We have our roster. Yeah. It's TV on the radio. Okay. Um, to be honest, no one knows anything about this. I don't think the team knows anything about this. Um, but do you have, I don't know, do you have any thoughts? Um... You know who'd be a really good, I don't know if maybe a studio role, color commentator, whatever? Jamie Watson. Okay, yeah. You know who's kind of at a crossroads right now, probably? Jamie Watson. Jamie, <laughs> Jamie Watson, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, he's not going to be back playing with the team. He explicitly said when he came here, he wants to transition into a media role. And you've seen that happen um, with the radio stuff, um, with his slurpy... It's freaking the damn, icy. The damn ICs. The icy uh, uh, <laughs> sponsorship that he got. Um, we need to do a story about sense. that sometime. I mean, Jamie is is a naturally um, enthusiastic, uh, great person having in a role like that. So, yeah, sure. Why not? Why I'll, not? I'll hire him. Great. Yeah, I would too. But that's um, all we know. He, or we don't know anything, actually. We tried to get him on the podcast uh, recently, but because his, you know... He doesn't want to talk and jeopardize. We'll get him to say something embarrassing about Adrian Heath, and then he won't get a job or something. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. Let's go to... Uh, At Mr. Mac yeah. K. Yeah. Uh, ben McKenzie says, If, as our last podcast claimed, Minnesota United FC is Ravenclaw, which they are, who would, past, present, or future, be Cho Chang or Luna Lovegood? Who alliterates for you? Yeah, I'm not going to answer a question as nerdy as that. I mean, I already made the the Harry Potter ref- references, but that that's a de- extra level of nerd. So, so it's you because yeah. Ravenclaw is the house of nerds. That's exactly it. Colin O'Donnell says, "What's the most opti- optimistic news regarding lower league soccer I can spread?" USL is going to be very big next year. Ooh, it's it's it feels like their year, doesn't it? Can you imagine what everyone's going to be like when they're like, "Wait, we have to fly to Edmonton." <laughs> what is uh, is Sting going to be? In some capacity, what what has he been up to? Sting, you mean the the uh, mascot? Yeah, living in Howard Cornfield's basement. <laughs> he does every night. He goes down to his basement and puts on the outfit and looks into the mirror <laughs> and it says, "You're a star. You're a star." 
All right. Tyler at the Death Loon says, would NASL be better suited at this point to accept D3 status and help stabilize the league, or would it fold? The only thing that would have really kept it, it's all past tense now, isn't it? Like, everything that you can say that would really help stabilize and grow the league is something that should have been done in 2014-15. I guess my diagnosis in the middle of this NASL season was, don't try to bring in five different teams in one year. Just keep the teams that you have next year. Keep those teams for two years and keep all of them in the league and then start building. But at least you have the solid core. Yeah. And also, it's really hard to tell what pressures were being put on them by someone like U.S. Soccer or something. Um, uh, Kate Sophia says, give your prediction on when Minnesota United will have enough players to field a team. I've announced enough players. That's actually, that's really good. Actually, that's a good clarification. When they have enough or when they announce enough. Yeah, when they announce. Um, So I'm going to say when it's field enough team, that's 11 players, right? Yeah. So let's let's go with that. Um, I'm going to say... Do do you think that they have 11 players by Christmas? I'm going to say uh I'm not looking at a calendar here, so I think it's the 20 by the t- when we're recording this it's the 28th of November. I think that they will have days. it by December 20th. They will have 11 players just in time for Christmas. Yeah. And that's 11. Oh, expansion draft though. That's 5 players. That's true, but that doesn't count or like the the super draft is after. Which would yeah. be one to four, right? I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say by the end of expansion draft week they will have eleven. Ooh, so in two weeks? Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm gonna say go one dollar, one tomorrow $1. by tomorrow. And we're doing prices, prices right, right rules. rules. Yeah, then I'm $1. yeah, then I'm saying that Adrian Heath's gonna walk out with <laughs> with twenty players. So if they have eleven between uh, tomorrow and. Uh, you're actually writing this down, so we you have. Bet. Yeah, we had okay. December 13th, which is the expansion draft, and Jeff took one dollar. Okay. Loser brings bring, brings the the drinks. The podcast recording. Got it. Um, uh, Mary Little Katie at Katie STP asks: Does Wes prefer chicken or beef nachos? With a follow up comment: Gotta be carnitas or get the fuck out. Uh, I said earlier today on Twitter something this was that, contentious that I fully support to this day nachos are a stupid food they are composed of great elements but at some point you get to it like what the what the hell am i supposed to do with a chip completely covered it you cannot eat them properly it is incredibly oh, it's the worst date food ever yeah it's just uh, it's incredibly dumb and my kids have this book where they talk about getting nachos from the taco stand, so the kids wanted to go get nachos today. Was so. there a taco stand on every corner? Uh, yeah, yeah. Sweet. It's a beautiful dream. Um, and so I think nachos are a stupid food, and some people gave me a hard time, but then uh, other people came to my defense. Uh, so Did I, yeah, they? They're dumb, yes. I didn't see anyone defended. Uh, Elliot at Foot Fanatico <laughs> came to my defense. There's my, one person. My Houston friend. So... Uh, yeah, it's it's a stupid food. Don't there's no defending it. It's a why would you want I think my favorite uh your my favorite tweet of yours cuz you probably had 20 tweets about this in the span yeah, I got, of 30 I, got, minutes. I was trying to you distract myself from uh, from Cosmos, Cosmos country. Uh it was where you talked about, "Hey man, I was going to come bring you a taco, but then I sat on it, so here are some nachos." Exactly. And that's a hard shell taco, which you shouldn't be eating in the first place. Ooh. I do agree with that. 
I certainly agree. Soft shell tacos are the way to go. So I, I don't I don't want to dig into this anymore. All right, we're done with taco talk. But beef nachos, obviously. There you go. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, so Colin Solberg says. Um, Read this actually, because I okay. can't. I... Uh, so it's a, a three choice. It's a multiple choice. Okay, we have a multiple choice question here. Uh, was Minnesota United's oh. 2015 MLS announcement, lest you forget, they actually did announce it in 2015, not this last August, which is what it felt like. Was that announcement a the start of the NASL's death spiral? B just another nail in its coffin? Or C fortuitous timing? Nail in the coffin. Uh, the San Antonio Scorpions. Scorpions was the um, beginning of the death spiral. So it was the first time someone with money came in, looked around and said, nah, this is a bad idea. Yeah. I mean, with Minnesota, you'd kind of seen it happen with Montreal before. And the thought was, again, there'd be enough teams around afterwards that you could hold yeah, but on. Those guys wanted to go to MLS. That was a different thing. This is Scorpions was, uh, you know, when San Antonio FC, sorry, when they bought the t- Scorpions, they, they looked around and they said, Mm-mm. We don't think that this. Why should we be in this league? Let's be in this other league. We don't have to travel to effing. Edmonton. I think. I think the other biggest nail in that coffin, besides a scorpion to FC, would be the Fort Lauderdale payment thing. Um, the thing is so trivial, but uh, yeah, when that broke, that they were bouncing checks and that they couldn't pay their players and their yeah. vendors and everything. I mean, it, that's finally things just really. But why were we through. in that situation? Yes, that that was an, an increasing, an extra turn of the screw. But why were we in that situation in the first place? Because traffic and tra- you know everything from the beginning, this league was doomed because of traffic. Um, but let's finish uh, on this from ML Blazing. Any Cosmos players worth a look if they end up releasing a bunch of players? Um, I think, there, of course, there, there's a couple of players. I mean, if Juan Arango suddenly could uh, go in a time machine back a few years, certainly. If Jimmy Maurer wants to uh, play MLS, yeah, we'd, we'd take his call, I guess. Yeah, Jimmy um, Iose, um would be worth looking at. Um, Some of their academy players, maybe, as prospects, but... Yeah, I don't, I don't think... I don't think there's anyone you would instantly say, yes, that guy... Um, yeah, there, there's there are a few players who I think could could do pretty well, but a, again, any of those NESL players are going to almost all of them are going to be role playing, you know, um, role playing, not in, yeah, role playing in, in sexual role playing. That's what I mean. Cool. Um, so you know, just keep that in mind as you go out into the good night, because that's the end of the podcast. Um, thanks, Jeff. Sure. Thank you, listeners. Uh, we want to hear from you. And Adrian Heath, uh, anything else happening this week? Uh, no. Just subscribe to the show and leave us comments. And uh, we'll see you in the comment sections at 55.1. Thanks a lot.